Welcome to My on Mondays, an explorative approach to the possessive my through narratives, art, and sound. Each Monday brings a new creation and unique perspective. My on Mondays is brought to you by Ming Studios, a contemporary art space and international artist residency program dedicated to the exhibition, experience, and exploration of arts and culture. Along with exhibiting artists from around the world, Ming also serves the community by hosting innovative programs including performances, workshops, screenings, readings, artist talks, and other cultural activities. For more information or if you'd like to participate in My on Mondays, you can visit our website at mingstudios.org. Hello and welcome to the 84th episode of My on Mondays. My guest today is Rafi Munz, who has just completed a residency at Searle's Place in Garden City here in Idaho. Born in Haifa, Israel, Rafi is a multidisciplinary artist whose work deals with social, political, and ecological themes. He holds a degree from the Bezalel School of Art in Jerusalem and a Master of Fine Art from the Central School of Arts and Crafts in London. Aside from traveling the world, he currently lives in Givat Ada, which has been his home for over 25 years. So you and I met yesterday for the first time, and in one of our conversations, you talked about the lack of work where you live in Israel. And so I'm wondering what are the ways that you've survived as an artist over the years? The way I survived? Is uh, <laughs> we talked about the pension one day, when with the pension of old age that I get from the social security or what it's called here, mm-hmm. I I can barely live. But from time to time, I sell something or you know, it's. Um, I'm actually living from hand to mouth. Yeah. Over 50 or something like that, people don't like to give you a job or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And even even volu- voluntary, voluntary jobs, when they see your age or when they hear about your age, they don't give it to you. I will be now able in September to teach someplace because the director, the manager, knows me and knows me as a teacher, so I'll get the job. But otherwise, it's very hard to come by. It's not only me. I mean, I'm I'm a real oldie, but people of over 50 and 60, 60, are considered uh, veterans. Yeah, but you said you said you were able to sell occasionally your artwork. Very, very occasionally. Yeah. Yes, my artwork. Or sometimes mm-hmm. old clients. I stopped the job of uh, counseling. You know. Oh. I I was counseling and I went into art. So now if an old client comes and needs a consultation for him or his children, then I do it. 
Okay. I I hate to do it for the sake of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always, well, I took money for that. But now, to do it just for the sake of money is, uh, I don't feel too well about it. Yeah, understandable. So, and then the, do the residencies sometimes help financially? Are you able to sell work when you travel for the residencies that you do? Yeah, not this one, because this one is really, uh, you saw the stuff. This is not exactly sellable, but longer residencies where also paint a lot or where the residencies actually pay you to come and give you a tuition for whatever you do, whether you teach or, you know, if you something for them so you can come back with some money mm-hmm. from the residency. So speaking of your work, one of the things that stood out to me on your website was a section that you titled Cry the Beloved Land. And you said that uh, the quote says, traveling amongst torn villages, I stumbled over a few walls that needed recognition. And there's a photograph and or a video of you painting some ruins uh, that are in this town. And um, your decision to paint there seemed very poignant and personal. But and I wonder what draws you to paint certain places when you're traveling. Um, is it an instinctual process for you? And I imagine it depends a lot is on the word for me. Sorry. If, if when you're traveling, you know, when you yeah. decide to paint a wall in Israel, it seems like a very personal thing. But when you're traveling and you're coming upon places that are not familiar to you, is it an instinctual process when you decide to paint a, a space, a wall or whatever? You know, I imagine part of it is um, depends on being invited to paint the space, but there are also must be some sort of personal feeling toward it as well for you. Of course. I mean, the, first of all, I'll talk about this tonight, by the way. Any place I have see, I cannot just, you know, make a sketch at home and come and paint something somewhere. You have to see the site and you have to get acquainted with the place. And then you do something which should fit the place. This is called site-specific in mm-hmm. artistic jargon. But the idea is that you you want to get closer to to the uh, society that lives there, to, to the environment itself. And that's why if a building, for instance, has uh, all kinds of so-called obstacles like windows or pipes or electricity poles or things like that, I amalgamate them in the, in the project itself. It is part of it. I want to be part of that. I don't want to come and, you know, put something there which doesn't belong. Yeah. This is the same everywhere. I mean, whenever I, when I paint a ball in Israel, it's the same thing. 
the <clears throat> the site tells you actually a lot what to do. Sometimes, first of all, you get ideas from that, and you get closer to to the place. Doing the the dark, the funny dark opposite the entrance to Sarah's place is because there are ducks um, <laughs> you know, walking around uh, just uh, a few yards from there by the river on the green belt. Mm-hmm. And I, have, I made the connection of uh, the former Chinese population here in <clears throat> Garden City and made the connection of... Uh, a Peking duck. Okay. You know, I call it I call it the Garden City Peking duck. Huh. To have the connection to the the past, which was Chinese, and they tell me it's called Garden City because there were so many, were so many gardens here, and the Chinese, um, you know, maintained them. Mm-hmm. Now it's gone. Yeah. Now we are getting uh, <clears throat> architecture, architecture for architects rather, not for people. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is exactly the opposite of what I'm trying to do. I wonder when you you talk about what you're trying to do. I love how you title your website "Art and Nonsense," and. Um, while your work has serious elements, there's a strong sense of play to it. And, um, you know, the, the professional art world can sometimes be so self-serious. And I'm wondering how you, with your, your very imaginative sense of play, how you've navigated that. What, what's been your experience? Um, you see, I'm trying to be less and less professional, so to say, mm-hmm. or technical. This is also a thing I'll talk about tonight, but I'll give you <laughs> the essence of it. That um, being professional or being, um, you know, like um, a glittering outlook does not interest me. I'd rather be uh, more direct and simple and do whatever comes out, flows out of my hands and it's connected more to my feelings and expression. I, I express the feelings more by by the form and with color, and not by technique. It's not the skill that counts. I'd rather be de-skilled. <laughs> so um, this is what what I do for quite a few years. And uh, some people come and say, huh, my child can do this. So this is the best compliment I can get. <laughs> Because children until age five usually 
when or until age two, when they start to be uh, spoiled by by the need to be correct, exact, mm-hmm. or doing the thing as they are, as the things as they are, until then they do the things as they feel them. And if there is an important to art, I think it's to get connected to people. It's the the uh, your surrounding or the the company, the people you are live in, see with people you live with. Um, is what counts and is what I think any artist, like in music, in dance, in poetry or whatever, we want to get closer to each other, to be able to express ourselves more. I mean, like, I'll be best if I do what I am best at and not trying to find something that somebody else does very well because it suits him. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't suit me, why should it interest me for myself? It should interest me to look or see or hear or listen or feel whatever the other person has to say and enrich my own you know, yeah. knowledge, spirit, etc., yeah. That's that's beautiful and I I I love what you say about you, you know it being a way of connecting with other people and I'm totally in agreement with you on that. Um it's really beautiful. And so that leads me to my next question which is you know you're you have done your artist residency at Searle's place here in Boise and you're the project, your exhibition, um, I believe you've titled it My Boise. And so I'd I'd like, I've heard a little bit about this project, but I would love for you to tell our listeners uh, a little bit more about it. It interests me to, first of all, get acquainted with the place. And the place is the people, or the people are the place. So I dared choose, I've never done that before, but I, this was the idea of the project, to ask volunteers to tell me, to take me by the hand and be my guides to their Boise. Their Boise means I like to be here, I don't like to be there, this is my favorite, etc., etc., mm-hmm. connected to whatever I, the person who is my guide, what he, they are interested in. Okay. So there were five volunteers, each one a different character, a different person, and each one took me for a all days, days too, in their Boise. Now, I, of course, am impressed by their Boise 
from my side, from my point of view. And I want to do something together with them by using what their, whatever their likes or dislikes are and interpret them my way. And this is what you see on the walls. The actual thing is not to to copy or to, you know, uh, double what they are. The idea is that I add my <laughs> my spices to it, mm-hmm. and something new come out, comes out. Yeah. So it's your experience of their experience. So it's not their voice only. It mm. is their voice with mine combined, giving birth to something which might inspire other people. Yeah. So your your opening is tonight, Tuesday, May 9th, at 7 o'clock. And I really, I really hope uh, we see a lot of people there tonight. I'm sure there will be. And I know I'm looking forward to it. And then you'll be leaving Boise on Thursday. So my last question, my last question is for you. What is next for you? What, what for me? What's coming up for you in, well, next is is landing in hot Tel Aviv (laughs) and being, being picked up by... (laughs) by one of my children to the lovely, quiet village I live in. And then, you know, I, I'll have to get over the jet lag and, <laughs> and then <laughs> start doing my nonsense over again. Yeah, the basics. <laughs> Which means if if I'm at home, it's too hot or too cold or rainy or... Too hot, so I'll probably stay at home and paint or, or do whatever or do ceramics at home. Yeah. And if not, I'll go on with my searches uh, for outside jobs, so to say, that I give to myself. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rafi, for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. And... Um, what a beautiful way of connecting with this community. I imagine it's something that you do everywhere you go. And it's certainly been a pleasure for me to meet you and speak with you and get to know you a little bit. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Yeah, that's very soon. Okay. Take care. I have to brush my shoes. Take care, Rafi. I'll see you soon. See you. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back next Monday. Tune in.